Let's get some get some checks on everybody. Make sure we're working. Talk, talk, talk. Hey, how's it going? Check, 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 check. Cool. It sounds like it's fucking working to me. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Cheers, my friends. Cheers. How tight would it be if we had like little urns? Oh, this would be so good. Yeah, it'd be With sweet. smoke. That'd be <laughs> fucking brutal. Smoke and like neon light coming out of them. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds oh. like some shit right there. I'm into it. We should do that. Today, I'm sitting here with my new friends and pals. Two fourths or fifths? How many people are in your fucking band? Two fourths. There's four. Yes. Two fourths of the band earns. Make some noise for the internet. What's up, guys? Yeah. yeah. We're ready to start the beat. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's what's up. Excellent. Oh, shit. Tight. The Bill and Ted soundboard's new. I'm working on it. Uh, yeah, I didn't hear that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's new. Dropped. Exclusive. Just for you. Gotta have the sound drops. <gasps> <laughs> so you got so crates in there not yet i only got through the, the first little chunks of the movie i gotta oh, nice, go through nice. the whole thing you know that's what's up that's we'll get there up. we'll get there so introduce yourselves let everybody know what you do who you are and all that stuff uh mitch i play guitar and recently starting to add some synthesizers to stuff and i do that too nice keyboards I'm Mike. Uh, I sing, I play guitar, uh, and I I, st- I started the band. I guess. I guess I'm. A, I guess you can call me a ma- the mastermind, uh, the genius behind Urns, whatever you want. Uh, you know. Iron Maiden. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say so. So, Urns, you start a band. Why? Um. Well, for me. Uh, I had been playing in uh, probably some stuff that no one's heard of uh, from like 07 to uh, 2011. I had a little kind of tongue-in-cheek space rock uh, get-up going called Chrono Knot. And it was like, it was kind of grungy, kind of spacey uh, to like two guitar vocal harmony thing. So after that, I was jumping around a lot, just playing in my friends' projects here and there, but like just looking for a long time for like my next project that I like am serious about to sink my teeth into. So I just wrote a bunch of, I wrote a set. I got tired of jamming with other musicians for like a couple, you know, a few weeks in a row. And you're not sure if, like, are we a band? Should we try to book a gig? Yeah. What are we doing here? You know? It's been a long time since I've been in that position, but I definitely remember a time when there was a lot of just, like, hanging out in the basement a lot. Yeah. Like, we'll figure out the band name later. We have these songs. The songs don't have names. Of course you don't have it's, the band name. It's just a it. thing that we're doing. It's just weird after a while exactly it's like hey i have this space you want to try to play and it's, you know four or five groups of people later i'm like how do i make this stick yeah you know i want a band that exists and is going to exist for a while I think you gotta have the end goal in mind it's funny now it's like always i can't do anything without thinking 15 fucking steps ahead it's a bit of a yeah. problem there needs to be some well for me i work and a lot of people i would say but for me i work decently under a deadline and when there's just when you're starting a band there's no you never have deadlines because you don't you know you don't know where it's going to go you sometimes feel it out yeah sometimes people are playing music to avoid deadlines and responsibilities <laughs> yeah you know they don't they don't they don't fucks with the business but yeah. eventually it creeps its way in whether you like it or not, if you want to start playing shows and releasing records, which you just did. Congratulations. Oh, That's very, I, thank very you. excellent. Yes. A couple of weeks ago at Howlers, uh, we re- released 
our self-titled debut uh, was a long time coming, but it feels good, doesn't it, Mitch? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch, pull the mic a little <laughs> bit closer to you so, so the world can hear you. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Thanks. So when we were, yeah, when I started Earns, it was, I was in that situation where I'm jumping around on other people's bands and I, you know, having a fine time, but like it's, I'm not, you know, I like to write music and mostly I was just playing other people's stuff. So I, I just, I wrote a whole set of music that I wanted to, my next band to sound like. And uh, once once I was confident that the songs were good and finished, uh, I'm 34, and uh, I was approaching then my 30th birthday, and I knew at the beginning of the year, I'm like, I on my 30th birthday, I want to play a show for my friends. So it was coming up. Yeah. I had the music written. I booked the show. I asked. Um, my friend's band Ape from Philly, if they would come over to, uh, you know, play the Earns debut show. Uh, we asked this band Gang Wish. It's got Sam Pace, um, who still plays around, plays in Come Holy Spirit. Uh, that was his project at the time. Uh, and this band General Fantasy, who uh, our drummer Rick, that was his other band at the time. And so did we, you have a band at this moment uh, to play the songs? I booked that show and I asked Justin Gizzy, who if you know anything about heavy music in Pittsburgh, you probably know Justin Gizzy. Um, he had been asking me when I would run into him here and there, like, hey, if you ever want to get anything together. So he was a, a fan of Chrono Knot, one of the few, <laughs> you know, even though the band wasn't like significant. It was it was good enough to get someone's attention who, you know, would be a collaborator of mine down the road. So for any aspiring musicians out there playing, you know, playing to small crowds and basements or whatever, just just keep going because you don't know who you're going to, you know, who you're going to meet, who you're going to work with. Totally. You can level up from there. Absolutely. The thing that a lot of people overlook and it's a big fuck up to overlook this as an underground musician, independent artist. If you're playing a show and there's only, you know, five fucking people there, that sucks. It sucks. Yeah. But those people are there because they want to be there. They, mm -hmm. They're the few people that actually bother to get off their ass, leave the house and come watch you play. It's pretty important. So give them a show. Yeah. Make a friend. That's what you're there for. Yeah. It's like if you're... If you're like really bothered that there aren't that many people there, it's like, well, what, what, what did you really get into this for? I can understand the disappointment if you like promoted something super hard and there aren't that many people there. But at the same time, on you know, on the other side of the coin, be grateful for those people who are there. Um, sometimes it leads. To Sometimes playing a show in, in front of seven people can lead to real opportunities. Absolutely. So probably more opportunities than playing, you know, the Deutschtown Music Festival. Yeah, to yeah. Like 200 strangers that are just like, where's the hot dog truck at? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, that's pretty much it. <laughs> playing with uh, my old band Chrono Knot, uh, we played a show one time at the Smiling Moose opening for a band from Brooklyn called Wizardry. Um, Wizardry played second, and there were a handful of people there, and the, it was a, kind of a late show. But once it came time for us to play, we were playing last. The opening band had left. They were like, eh, we don't care about getting paid. We're just going to leave. Uh, and everyone but like two of my friends, the bartender, the sound guy, and the touring band uh, had gone. So there were just like eight people there. And we ended up playing one of our best shows, and it was just for eight people. But the touring band were really impressed. And uh, over the years, uh, they, they came through a couple more times and, and stayed with me and like uh, made some pretty cool friendships with these people. And they live in New York. When I go to New York, 
um, you know, I, I hit them up and hang out, but like they offered to set up shows for Chrononaut in, you know, one in Brooklyn, one in Manhattan. And while we never ended up touring, that was like a connection you know, that you made. Yeah. That's if, if we, if that band had been more serious, that's a great opportunity to yeah. play a couple shows in, in New York. So yeah, just anytime you have the opportunity to play a show, it's like do it good because you don't know what can come out of it, even if it's a really small crowd. Yeah. And if and I've said this before on the show, but if you get an opportunity to play a show and you don't want to play the show, then don't fucking play the show. <laughs> Cause you don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to play. If you're like, oh whatever, you know, I don't want to play the moose again, that's fine. Don't. You're not obligated to. Just yeah. don't don't come in there with your shitty energy and your lack of giving a shit because it's gonna make everybody there feel weird and it just makes yeah, going exactly. to local shows seem bad. Like what if somebody there is just like, you know, I'm gonna go to a local show, I'm gonna see what all the hubbub's about. And then you're there with your fucking shit energy. And it's like, well, this uh, sucks. I'm not coming back out to one of these. Acting entitled uh, to have fans, to have people's attention. That's a privilege. That's like a huge privilege. It's No one's entitled to that. Totally. Yeah. With you and Earns now. So a few years in, got the album out. Mm -hmm. You're playing shows. Seems like, you know, things are a little bit more serious than maybe your previous project. Yep, yep. I mean, way more serious. <laughs> yeah, like infinitely more serious. Like an actual website yeah. with a web store. Wow. Like didn't have Commerce. anything. We had a MySpace for Chrononaut. Killer. And uh, I I, uh, I started that MySpace on uh, 6606. Hell yeah, you did. So I'm pretty disappointed that MySpace isn't popular anymore because it says right there, when you joined 6606. If it was still popular, I would have repurposed that page for earns, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> With 2019, current time we're living in, year of our Lord, how are you dealing with just being in a band and fucking with Instagram and Facebook and social yeah. media? Because it's a, an unfortunately important part of it mm -hmm. how obligated do you feel to participate in the social media world i mean it's uh it's it makes it feel more competitive but i, I think that might be an illusion kind of like uh i'm fine i'm fine having like having that be a necessity because you know it's the same for everyone but I mean, our like we have a Twitter that I just started with like seven followers. By the way, hell yeah! Uh, uh, <laughs> at PGH earns. I don't you, have a Twitter. Uh, yeah, Mitch doesn't fuck with Twitter. <laughs> I have an Instagram. Yeah, uh, and then we're official earns on Instagram. So, I mean, it's cool to like post stuff that we're working on. Like recently, Mitch has been doing that. Yeah, like uh, it's good, you know. To get people's attention, like, because you hashtag stuff and ha people love gear and heavy metal. So you hashtag whatever gear you're using. You get so many people that don't know you to, you know, watch your story or your post or whatever. I think that's a good way to grab people's attention. Yeah. First, they thirst after your gear. Yeah. And like, and Let's see like, what this guy can do with this. Yeah. And <laughs> I've always wanted one of those yeah. expensive guitars that Mitch owns yeah, 20 I, uh, of. I have a gear problem. I'm obsessed <laughs> with acquiring and amassing. At that moment, you were a like, lot of gear. I have a gear. And then in your head, you were like, fetish? No. <laughs> uh, but I problem. Have a, a problem. Yeah. I'm addicted. Every time I. Get a new guitar. I'm like, ah, oh, that's the last one for a couple of years. And then two months later, I'm getting another one. And I don't sell anything off. So I just, you can't even walk around my house. It's, it's bad. Well, <laughs> you know what you're passionate about? Yeah. And you're, you're living your passion. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Well, yeah. But to talk about <laughs> the social media, when Mitch is talking about just like getting people's attention, uh, I think it's, it's important to, 
continued to be in people's minds uh, or else, you know, so if some if people know that you're a musician, they'll ask you, you know, like, hey, what a you know, what what have you been up to with music recently? And I've experienced this a couple times where I I I mentioned Ernst and I had some people be like, Oh, Ernst is still around? It's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we were on a hiatus for on purpose. Yeah, sure. Like, My uh a similar thing would be Whenever I was transitioning uh, and getting the band for Sykes and the New Violence, yeah, we it would be like two, three years in, and people were like, "Hey, like you still playing shows and stuff?" I'm like, "Yeah, I have a band and everything. You like my posts <laughs> that I post of the band on Facebook? Are you like not paying attention to things, or is it just it's in there's some loose wires? It's so weird." Yeah. Yeah, it's a, people don't always connect what they're seeing online with real life. Yeah. <laughs> but like to post to let people know what you're up to, what you're working on, whether that's with the music, with uh we've been getting into using stage art. Yeah, we <laughs> want to have more of like, you know, a visual <clears throat> like a show, like, you know. Hell yeah. King Diamond's sweet, so... Yeah, that theatrical element. Totally. I I get behind that 1,000%. But make sure sure the music is good. Yeah. And then focus on the theatrical. Yeah, that's the important thing. Uh, It's really easy, depending on how far down the rabbit hole you go, to forget that at the end of the day, you're supposed to be a band playing songs. Yeah. Yeah, If you get too caught up in all of the other stuff, it becomes this what what is this as yeah. a viewer like what am i looking at what, what am i what is this a concert is this a stage play is this just like a a really bad exercise and unchecked ego what yeah. what is going on <laughs> <laughs> and two years down the line it's like wow we haven't had a new song for yeah how long because you know you, you focus on other things where the main focus obviously should be the quality of the music quantity a little bit too you know there's so much stuff that you have to focus on now being a band if you're going to be serious though yeah there's so much extra stuff you pretty much have to have this like a legit business plan some like coca-cola orville redenbacher level strategy i don't know why those are the two companies i went to but we'll just roll with it Uh, orville redenbacher's got that i got that got that orville redenbacher strategy right there that's (laughs) Fucking that's a that's a band name. Orville, <laughs> the Orville Redenbacher strategy. strategy. Yeah, that's a jam band. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was thinking more like We're a like early uh, Dillinger weekend. Escape Plan sounding type okay, stuff. Yeah. Like, like one of those uh like late nineties, early two thousands spazzy math fucking, core yeah. thing. Yeah, Playing a bunch of like minor seconds or something weird. Like, like old daughters. Yeah, uh, uh, white people jazz. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's something, hysterical. Something like that. So with urns and the style of music that you're playing in urns, speaking of, you know, how music has changed and how, yeah. you know, obviously styles of music, I'm sure both of you have kind of probably gone over the map in different ways, right? In so many ways. Yeah. Like, I, I mean... Mike and I are pretty like-minded when it comes to, you know, uh, our influences. And I think that's what, that, that's mostly what started our friendship, you know? Yeah, and yeah. Then, uh, but as far as writing music, we're open to pretty much anything, you know? We don't want to be held down just having to play super sludgy, heavy rips, you know? We want to have, like, you know, different different stuff in there yeah i mean you mentioned the the synth yeah the keys. i just started fun get some I textures just, in there i just got my first synth like a year ago and you know and it's probably the most exciting thing i've got since i bought a guitar you know 15 years ago the just the possibilities are yeah. just so endless and when that's what you want to be doing is like bringing music to pe- to the people like oh they're they're going to be so pumped up when they when they hear me play this. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean our our approach it's like 
as far as like genre, like what we want things to sound like. I mean, we're we're obsessed with like there there's the basis. There's like the pillars of urns. And those pillars are like uh uh Judas Priest and Blue Oyster Cult and like uh Boris. Uh, uh Boris is a big influence on me personally. Um you know, just all the just like stoner metal stuff, uh, sleep and electric wizard and stuff. Uh, but really, like, that's that's like, oh, and I can't forget to mention King Diamond and Merciful Fate, yeah, <laughs> obviously. But, um, I mean, that's where for me, that's like it's it all starts with a guitar riff. <clears throat> Sometimes that riff is going to sound like a metal song. Sometimes it's going to sound like a like a proto-metal, classic rock kind yeah, of thing. Like one of his newest songs is, you know, uh, it's not it's not super heavy. I mean, but it's definitely a rocker. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not. Uh, it's not. I don't know how to explain it, but you know, we're not, we don't have like a lot of punk influences. Uh, recently at practice, this, there was a pretty funny exchange uh, where Justin, Justin's like about 10 years older than uh, me and Rick and Mitch. Mitch, uh, Rick's actually like the 30 or 31 yeah, or something. Yeah, he just turned 30. Um, where Justin was asking us about a punk band that was coming through that he was into in the early 90s. I can't remember what they were called. <clears throat> but you know, we were like, no, we didn't really, we don't really know who that is. And Justin is like, well, you guys don't listen to punk music at all. <laughs> and I'm like, Justin, when when we were in school, punk music was like Blink 182. Like we thought punk was Green Day and Blink 182, and like Bouncing Souls and, and all that. New, Newfound Glory stuff. and Live yeah. Wagon and oh, yeah. and Irish punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got. We got dealt a short straw in some ways. <laughs> it, it got novel. Like novelty became so huge in punk music at mm-hmm. that point. So like at the time, you know, learning about new music, I didn't care about punk music. I was like a guitar kid. I started playing guitar when I was like six. So when I started to get into popular music, I cared, I cared a lot about guitar and like if the riffs were fun to play or challenging... So something like Green Day and Blink-182 didn't didn't grab me at all. I was already too much of a snob at the time. <laughs> uh, I so, mean, now I don't hate on other people's music, but back then it, it was like I thought it was trash. Sure. You just were you were listening to music for different reasons. That's all it is. It, exactly. And now it's like I I like punk music now, but you know, back it's, then I just it's like uh eating fine dining your whole life and then somebody being like this is a five-piece nugget <laughs> yeah what is yeah. this it still has value oh, but it's okay you know, this it's, is this is nice it's just a different this thing. is a kit kat bar yeah, yeah. give me a break <laughs> motherfucker you know what i'm saying and of, and of course it wasn't lost on me that there is no metal without punk you know that sure. metal arose from a, a reaction to people liking punk's energy and attitude but wanting to add more to the musicianship aspect of it. Of course, that's where new wave of British heavy metal comes from. Big influence on us. So what was then, you know, six-year-old guitar nerd Mike? What was like your first musical love? Well, for like six-year-old me, that's a good question, actually. In general. But as it goes on. Green Jello, man. (laughs) Green Jello for... I had that cassette because the... The one Super Nintendo video game. They Maximum did the, Carnage. Yeah, they did the theme song. I went out and bought that cassette. <laughs> oh, man, I listened to that all day. Hell yeah. I mean, I was big into... Michael Jackson was my first like musical love, I would say. Um, we don't have to talk about that that much. Uh, <laughs> but once it got into like... Uh, once I started to get into like guitar music, I remember the first like rock song that I asked my guitar instructor to uh, teach me to play. 
In the fifth grade, I got a cassette tape. It was the single of the presidents of the United States of America. <laughs> Peaches. Hell yeah. I had that CD. And my mom wouldn't let me get the CD because it had swears on it. But the the tape, the Peaches single only had two songs on it. So, uh, so I brought that in for my guitar player to teach me. So Peaches was the first rock song. And then uh, from there, it was like grunge. Like I wanted to learn Soundgarden songs, Alice in Chains songs, uh, and a little bit like of Metallica and stuff. Because, of course, Metallica was enormous at the time. Yeah. Um, but mostly just like Soundgarden and some Anthrax. I was into King Diamond pretty early too. Thanks to Metallica and the, their cover of all those Merciful Fate songs. It's like one of my friends in middle school got into Merciful Fate because of the Metallica covers. He invites me over to his house. He plays uh, the King Diamond Voodoo oh, that album, album. And if if you're watching or listening to this interview and you don't know who King Diamond is, do yourself a favor and look up any video, really. <laughs> the entertainment factor is through the roof. Uh, but And he sings in this high falsetto. Um, Putting it mildly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A very, like a, a, an exaggerated high falsetto. And uh, this very dramatic and operatic southern song. I was laughing the whole song. Sure. I was laughing through the whole <laughs> entire song. Just like losing it, having a hard time breathing. I can't believe that this like, is a thing. Yeah. yeah. Like this guy cares so little about what you think about him that he'll just like scream like a bans- banshee. Sounds like spooky ghost man. Oh, yeah. In front of all of thousands the, of people. All the different voices and all the stuff. Yeah. Doing characters with his it, voices. It helps once you dive into the lore a little bit and understand that there is a a certain level of self-awareness and parody and almost satire that's Mm -hmm. in there but once you understand it's very it's not like on the surface it's just there you just know it's there like this is about having fun this really and creating magic too yeah it's like king diamond using that voice it's like no one sings like that so just the differentiation, and you almost feel like you're listening to the ghost of someone or like a ghoul, some uh-huh. spooky ghoul. I think that's the idea, right? Exact, exactly, yeah. To make make that magic just by doing something different. Sometimes that's all it takes. Because that's, after all, what we're in the business, we're in the magic business. <laughs> <laughs> as far as I'm considered. People like music, but when it comes to putting on shows, it's like people want to see a spectacle. They want to they want to feel like what they're seeing is something bigger than just some show at a smoky bar. Yeah, and that's what's cool about rock, and I guess any genre of music can do this. But you know, with just rock music in particular, you know, there's this capability to just be so loud and larger than life and just really command a stage. And I feel that in some aspects, we really lost that in a lot of modern rock music. And I think that's why modern rock music has shifted in the way that it has, because that like, I don't know, I guess it's just like not cool to be a rock star anymore. It's like rappers are rock stars now. Who doesn't want to plug a guitar into a giant stack of amplifier cabinets? I mean, that's, that's like one of the greatest feelings in the world. <laughs> yeah, all this so much power yeah. behind you. It's just like surging through the room. Uh, I remember the first, one of my first live performances, it was in the uh, Franklin Mall, n- now known as the Washington Crown Center. Um, Shout outs. I think I was in the sixth grade. And, and in the food court, a stage was set up to have, you know, some like talent showcase for local kids or whatever. Uh, and I just went up and played my guitar. I played Stone Temple Pilots song uh, Plush uh, just by myself on a stage in a food court. 
uh, I had just like this shitty like $30 Arian distortion pedal that I just had cranked. Um, and just like right in the right in the front, out of like a Radio Shack practice amp. It was not loud. <laughs> and, and right out in the front, there's this old lady with her fingers in her ears <laughs> as the the kids, the teenagers and whatever in the in the we used to have these things called video arcades. Uh, start start to slowly trickle out and uh, hearing these these uh, spicy jams coming out of this twelve year old kid's uh, uh, amp, just Stone Temple Pilots plush. Everyone liked that song back then, back in the day. But like that's you know that's what a little bit what we're talking about when it comes to a performance. It's like the bringing the volume. There's there's a lot to it. There's like, there's the, when it comes to the magic aspect, um, I think younger people see how abrasive it can be to the older generation and they want to embrace that. So if it's something like volume, if it's like imagery, like we use a lot of like anti christian and like weed imagery (laughs) like it makes people feel bad or rebellious Uh uh-huh and uh and that yeah that's part of the whole magic it's like you're creating something more than just sounds the sounds are greater than the sum of their parts and uh yeah part, part of that in rock music is the volume i was at a show the other day where it was a good show but in between songs and even during songs, I could hear people just chattering and chit-chatting away. I feel like I would get really distracted on stage if that was the case uh, for me. Wasn't that, was that because it just wasn't loud? It wasn't that loud, yeah. Yeah. And that's you're never going to have people talking to each other during an urn set unless it's like <laughs> outdoors and we're just uh-huh. we can't possibly f- like fill. Or they're complimenting the my sweet guitar solo. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) just like (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i think that's part of it too is like why the experience of a rock show why the bands uh demand so much attention is because you can't talk to each other so that and that's another reason why i want our stage show to be well developed to like grab and hold people's attention you don't want anyone to get bored and you want people to talk about it to their friends after the show yeah and if i mean if it's your art and you have a certain way that you want to present that art to the world you should just fucking go for it regardless of you know it's a if whether it's a production or if it's just nope this is four people on a stage no lights yeah. no fanciness well, nothing that's you know? like a david Byrne said why not just yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Look, and it's a small point of contention in the band, where like Justin is a really, is really like no nonsense. He's a purist. Yeah, he's he's a workman like musician. Like he comes in, and he does. But the if work. it wasn't for him, we probably wouldn't get a lot done. Yeah, we probably <laughs> wouldn't even exist. Kind of like, you know, keeps us all in line and keeps our minds on a certain path. Uh-huh. It, I don't think we would exist still no, without Justin. So I think, you know, he has more focus than the rest of us. But I'm thankful that he allows us to indulge these, uh, the, the more superfluous uh, aspects of performance. Like I painted a bunch of skulls with uh, black light reactive paint and I have black lights and a smoke machine and stuff and... You know, yeah. Justin wasn't that excited about that, but like, <laughs> it for me, it's as much about getting me excited to perform and like getting hyped up as it is to get the crowd to feel like that. Um, and you, you recently interviewed a wrestler, a professional wrestler that I'm familiar with, uh, Jinx, who wrestles around here, and. Uh, um, I think she talked a little bit about the performance and I agreed so much with her uh, that that like 
about a, a year ago, I go to a lot of wrestling. I thought about how sometimes playing with urns, I'd be on the stage at the beginning of a set tuning and, you know, people were waiting for you to play. All right, we're ready to play. Then I just get up into the mic, still tuning a little bit like, oh, hey, everyone, this is Urn. Uh, this is Urn's. Here's a song about a vampire lady. Uh, th- thanks for coming. You know, like, yeah, I'm not pumped up yet. The crowd hopefully is very stoned because this is like <laughs> weed music. So, like, hopefully they're very stoned. But But even if they are stoned, they're not, like, hyped up yet. They're not excited yet. Uh, you kind of, like have to make that happen with the performance so i thought like how do i get myself into it at the beginning of the set and maybe the crowd is like immediately into it and they're not like kind of like waiting to see something to to get them going yeah uh i thought like the wrestling entrance is one of the most effective ways to pump up of crowd i've seen in any type of performance you know the they hear the music hit and if the crowd is familiar with the product they'll hear the music they'll get excited to see whatever wrestler is uh associated with that music they get the pop when they walk out that that gets the wrestler excited everyone's ready to see everybody's just yelling yeah everybody's just yelling everyone's just yelling if it's a good guy they're like yeah if it's a heel like go back to Canada, boo! Because you know if you're from Canada, you're heel. Uh, so like people are fired up right away, and I, I just I saw that, I thought about that, and I'm like, why don't we just add like a wrestling style <laughs> entrance to our performances, so I can like start with some fire, rather than just like having to convince myself throughout the set. Hey, this sounds pretty good. Yeah, I think that it's really interesting. And uh, I mean, we're all none of us are in a position to have like roadies or people that set up this stuff for us. Yeah, and you kind of get that if you go see I think, King oh, Diamond or something yeah. like that. You know, they're not yeah. like out there putting up yeah. all their gear. You don't. It kind of like ruins it. But like you know, the lights dim, and then everything comes on, and holy shit. Everybody yeah. we came here to see is here. Yeah. They're awesome. But when it's just like you're at Howlers yeah, and it's Howlers, like, yeah. well, Rock okay, room, we're, yeah. you know, we've been all in the same room for the past two yeah. hours and now you're getting tired and now you're watching me, you know, restring my guitar and then going to play, you know, yeah. like dumb shit. And it's just like, okay. Yeah. And so it this like goes back to humanizes everything too much. Exactly. And that sucks <laughs> the magic out of it. Yeah. That's, I, I think about it all in magic. I went there like two hours early and set all my shit up and then just like hung out because <clears throat> I brought a lot of stuff. But I, it was, yeah, it was our first heavy. show. You don't want to see me up there sweating, wiping the sweat off my brow. <laughs> I just loaded everything in. That's oh, our yeah, first that, show with the synthesizers. Yeah. That was that show too. Yeah. And we're still working on, you know, the entrance. I just, Cause that was like off the cuff. I just came up with a sequence and played a little bit of Moog bass, and well, yeah, the entrance was Mitch. Mitch starts on the stage playing some spooky synth, and that's like our entrance theme, like a hell John, yeah, like a John Carpenter sounding type types, uh, like a soundtrack, spooky soundtrack. And my idea was, I have all these animal skulls. My family lives on a farm in Washington, PA, so you know I can. I can get my hands on some goat skulls every once in a while. Uh, so I painted those up with like designs and that black light reactive paint. Mitch plays the the spooky <laughs> entrance. Uh, Rick and I came out from uh, from the sound guy's booth through the audience. I'm wearing a goat skull on my face. Uh, like a leather vest. I have a <laughs> vampire cape. Um, Rick's got a goat skull as well. And, you know, get up to the front of the stage, motion to the audience with the skull and set it down in front of the black light and just uh, get up on stage and play. I'm more pumped up than if I just like tuned and started. Oh, hell yeah. You know, and yeah, even if it's kind of silly, like way. people might talk about it. The people... <laughs> talk about it to uh, each other you want that, that came to the show from work were like what the hell was that was like, <laughs> you have people like, from I work i have to understand it 
<laughs> yeah, you had people from work. That's so that's great. I want to reach the masses. Open, it's always, open some minds. It's always fun when people from your your day life find out that yeah, you, like you're in a band or how, whatever. How weird you are. Yeah. Yeah. What is your uh, what's your day job gig? I'm a crane operator for okay. uh local sixty six type operating engineers. Yeah, he's he's our uh, he's our financier. Yeah, <laughs> I do a lot of financing on the for the band too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, money for it. It's not like we're a huge operation, no. but you know, getting vinyl made isn't isn't cheap. No, it's not. And I saw your record at the government center. Oh, nice! They got it up there. Good. Yeah, it was on the wall. Local music. I was like, hey. Local, I'm, I'm fresh. I'm, meet, I'm meeting those guys soon. Organic, and you know what? That that uh, that record, despite being produced uh, physically in the Czech Republic, uh, that's a union-made record right there. We yeah. <laughs> we used uh, Jason Juver uh, and uh, Plus Minus uh, Studio in the South Side, and he works at his uh, he works at his uh, his union rate. Is in the IOTC, the engi- the engineers. What is that one? It's like stagehand. Yeah, or he's something. part of the stagehand. He's a boom mic operator. Yeah, I think it's what he does. Like Mind Hunter and stuff like that. Um. So yeah, I mean, basically, aside from the uh, the the Czech production, which I gotta think that the EU has better labor laws than the U.S., so maybe it's better that we made it over there anyway. Uh, <laughs> Happy Labor Day! Yeah. Hey, so this is a pretty, this is a pretty, uh, this is pretty pro-union uh, record. If <laughs> if you overlook the Czech part of it, so you know we got that going for us. Yeah, and I gotta say, I'm, I'm thankful for places like, of course, Dave's Music Mind has been around forever, but places like Government Center, Cruel Noise Music, and Polish Hill, very. Uh, eager to just put out put our record on the shelves like uh really no convincing needed yeah and i'm happy for that for sure no it's super cool to have local businesses that are supporting you know the local bands and it gets you know yeah. pe- gets people in the doors it gets you know more people seeing your stuff even if like they're not going to buy it. It's like local music. It's always cool to see like a local selection of bands that have records, like physical records, not just uh, like a CDR or something, which nothing wrong with that, you know, Mm -hmm. not knocking your hustle, but it's cool to see bands taking that extra initiative to, you know, participate in the physical realm. It really is worth it. Like vinyl is so much better. Like vinyl is almost a must have. For, you know a platform on release because nobody wants to buy a cd that much anymore especially like 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 i said the style of music we play so it was we had to have a vinyl record to remain relevant i think yeah and all the layered guitars like that's that's the star of the show is the is the layered guitars and how they interact with each other um and it's just so much more clear and enjoyable on vinyl. Uh, recently, I had a discussion with someone who uh, was very skeptical about if vinyl actually does sound better than a CD. And anyone who has listened to uh, something on both back-to-back to compare and contrast, it's extremely clear how much better vinyl sounds. Like... Uh, Sure, a CD can fit more data on it, but that doesn't mean it is reproducing this the sound, the original sound as much as a vinyl does. So, like more data doesn't equal better sound. You could shape the sound through your stereo better with vinyl. Like you could put some reverb on it or something, you know. So, whereas like you put it in your car, you're not going to turn the reverb up a little bit on your. <laughs> Yeah, does your car have a reverb <laughs> knob? Sweet as a bitch. <laughs> it's got a reverb tank, actually. It's spring reverb, so when you're driving, it clangs. Uh huh. No good. 
but things like no, but my record my receiver or amplifier for my record player has like reverb on it which is cool yeah so. things like vocal harmony sound so much more pronounced on vinyl um and that's there's a song that we do it's the first song on side b of our record called, called charred senses where there are some nice uh clean vocal harmonies happening and just with my first listen through when we got the vinyl because i had been listening to the cd and the wave files for like a year at that point when we finally got the vinyl and you just want to listen to it to make sure it actually does sound better uh to hear those harm the harmony vocal sections and how clear and good they sounded it was they still sound good on like the wave file and the cd but it's just so much better uh in this conversation i was having with this guy who was doubting me when i said that i see his face making this i don't quite believe you you seem like you're full of shit looking face sure. i'm like what you don't believe me like have you ever listened to them back to back because it really is a noticeable difference in quality now why else would vinyl still be around now you know and it's something physical that you can hold you know like when you when you download an album you can't sit there and look at the booklet while you're taking a shit but yeah you can on a vinyl pull out the the lyric sleeve or whatever there's something that's really cool about vinyl that a lot of people just overlook um and it's just like the science of why vinyl sounds and how vinyl creates sound and i think yeah. that's why you get a lot of particular sonic frequencies it's just like a analog synthesizer versus a digital synthesizer you you know old analog synthesizer is going to sound way better than some new digital sure one the sound shaping through subtractive synthesis is you know it well it may be cruder and less technology but there's a pure sound through analog yeah i think it's what uh what you're listening for as a a fan of the music and also too i mean you can play a record on like a crappy stereo and it's okay well it doesn't sound that good yeah. but if you listen to you know a spotify link through like some gnarly ass updated car systems like whoa this sounds really intense and heavy yeah so there's always tons of variables but with vinyl there's just a capability for things to really shine if you have if you're in the right setting and for Absolutely. it to just sound like especially if it's like pressed correctly and recorded kept in mind like all of the mars volta stuff sounds completely bonkers on record just because it was like recorded for that format it's not all of this like oh. over compressed garbage you know what i mean it's just like okay people yeah. playing music it sounds fucking <laughs> sick yeah i mean for someone not in the know uh which was me a couple of years ago uh because i had never put out a record when justin asked who should we get to master this this and i'm like i don't know i don't know anything and justin's like how about jack and dino like what, you the guy who recorded the first soundgarden album and the second nirvana album and high on fire and wind hand you can just get that guy and he's like yeah he's paying 300 bucks I'm like yeah let's get that guy <laughs> so then he masters uh you know a cd and wave uh version and then separately masters of vinyl and we, we were just talking about like you can listen to an album on like not that great of a vinyl setup and uh you know maybe doesn't sound as good compared to something in a sick car car stereo setup uh, I didn't really know this until recently that uh, the the speakers, like speakers for a vinyl system, are calibrated specifically for vinyl, which makes sense. If you don't, you know, I just didn't think about it before. They're calibrated specifically for vinyl, so like, if you don't, if you have, if you're just like using thrift store speakers. Uh, hooked up to your turntable and you're not getting really like an optimal uh experience yeah um so yeah it's like i have this old 
like uh it's like a big piece of furniture you ever see those like a huge yeah. piece of furniture that has a record player in it and it look looks like a cabinet but yeah. it's just a record player with speakers those things sound amazing like just completely fill my my living room with just like really rich and complex mm-hmm. sound it's i think that the 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 action of just putting on music and listening to it in a house on a proper home stereo system is such a thing of the past nowadays. Everybody that I know has like, oh, I got this one Bluetooth speaker that's yeah. the size of this pop can. And and yeah. like, it's loud and it's like, it sounds fine, but it's like, no, come yeah. over and like. Like I you, said, with putting on vinyl, it's almost like a ritual or something. Yeah. You know, you pull it out. You put the needle on it, makes some noise before you start spinning it. Yeah, it's 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 abrasive. It's yeah. like there's there's something happening here that's you gotta be really careful with it, or else you could you could fuck it up. Yeah. If you go over someone's house and they're putting on vinyl, even like you feel like you're experiencing something that's more than just like listening to some tunes thrown on the radio or th- yeah. throwing on a and Spotify on your television. to listen to a whole album, too. It's not like you're going to go up and skip the needle. Around. No one's skipping tracks. No. Yeah, no one's skipping tracks at all. Like I have the best sounding record that I own is I have a first pressing of Rage Against the Machine, Evil Empire. It's the best sounding record I own. Nice. You put that thing on and it just sounds like they're in the room playing. Yeah. Like you feel like you're in there. It doesn't feel like um listening to something on a little speaker or in headphones. Like no, it's like it engulfs you. The and mix on that album is so bonkers. I could see how that would be like a really good vinyl album cuz well it's they're a three piece, so you you're getting so much of the full context of of uh the the tone and the and the pitch and, and the it's guitars. so clean. Like they have like Pretty much all the guitar and bass are hard pan left and right. Nice. So it's it's such a weird thing. And then so you have like, you know, drum center, guitar over here, bass over here, vocal center, you know, but drums obviously panned out when necessary. Yeah. And that's what helps it sound like it's like engulfing you. Just this like really uh clean, less is more approach. Like we don't need to have a bunch of different layers and things like that. And I love production. I love studio production magic and all those things but just mm-hmm. to like put that album on and just be like yeah kind of like the the no bullshit approach kind of like the opposite of that like these are yeah we're gonna play these fucking songs we're gonna record them no overdubs no nonsense just fucking play them and it sounds killer it's an yeah. excellent record that's uh yeah i mean that's going back a little bit to our bass player justin kizzy's mindset yeah which yeah. has value, which has great value. And I'm, I'm not trying... more of like, let's fucking go in and like layer 12 guitar tracks. Yeah. Down, you know? <laughs> Mitch, Mitch is like, hey, on our... Let's throw a harmony on that. Uh-huh. Let's throw another harmony on that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Mitch is like, at our record release, he's like, what if I bring like my Taylor stack and my <laughs> uh, my other, my other uh, orange stack? And I we was going to do... bring like three guitar amplifiers. And then... I'm like, Mitch, it's ha- it's Hallows, dude. <laughs> I, was like, I don't have to turn them all on. They can just, <laughs> just turn the pilot light on so people think they're on. But when you're talking about the Rage Against the Machine album and how you feel like the 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 music is like, how did you put it when it comes to feeling the music? En- I think I may have said it, it engulfs you. Yeah, it engulfs you. And that I like that a lot because that's uh, an early thought that I had with Ernst before we started playing shows. Is like I want I want it to be a ba- one of those bands that while you're watching and they just let a chord ring and you just feel the riffs wash over you, like you can physically feel the sound being pushed out of the amps. Uh, that's something that when i'm at a show that really shakes me and really like it gives me goosebumps i'm invested you know so i think producing that feeling of when you can actually feel the sound waves but you also don't want it to be so loud that people are actually like being hurt 
Yeah. No, yeah. no I think feeling is a, a really, really important part of songwriting and performance that a lot of people overlook. Yeah. And just like in terms of like listening to music, like if I'm listening to that Rage Against the Machine record, I can like feel the kick drum in my feet from the floor just kind of yeah. reacting from the speakers. And this is like, whoa, like this is cool. Like this is a thing that's I'm becoming part of this or from at a show and like you feel you feel that push from the guitar amps. You mm-hmm. can like physically like whenever like someone's checking a snare and it's like, ah. I love that. Yeah, like, yeah. hell yeah. <laughs> fucking, we're going to do this. Like, let's fucking hear some shit. Oh, someone's doing a mic check at Mr. Smalls and they're like, check, check, <laughs> Millville, check, Millville. <laughs> One of my favorite things is uh, touring bands that play Mr. Smalls and address the address the crowd as Millville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just say Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. We're all we're all from Pittsburgh, Millville, Pennsylvania. <laughs> no one from Millville is actually here. Even yeah. if, I think if you're from Washington, PA, people still say Pittsburgh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, and w- so you were just when we were just talking about feeling, physically feeling the music, um, and it, it, to address as many senses as possible for a performance is. Uh, I think a pretty good strategy. Yeah. Um, we joked about it a little bit uh, doing our like dry run wrestling entrance. It was, you know, dazzle people with the visuals. I need more skulls. There need to be more skulls. Okay. Yeah. There's uh, never enough skulls. <laughs> there's like almost enough. There just need to be a few more. So you get the visuals. Obviously, it's music. So, you know, sound um, to feel the riffs wa- wash over you. And Mitch was like, we should burn some incest. Inc- <laughs> incest. Let's burn some incest. Yeah. Uh, we should burn some incense to uh, uh, force everyone to experience us uh, in four different senses. I don't know how we'll do the taste, though. Oh, you got When you're walking out with the skull, <laughs> you have to have like some wine in it or something. Yeah, yeah. Wine in the skull. Drink from the skull. Maybe f- initiate yourself. Figure out some sort of way to flavor uh, a smoke machine smoke or something. Or <laughs> one giant vape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a vape instead of a smoke machine. You could get, that's um, how it goes. You could play on like the, play on the, uh, some like uh, Christian satire and you can make little cracker packs. Oh, yeah. But they could be like, earn, have like your logo on <laughs> yeah. them and you can pass out the crackers that's as you're walking out. Idea. No, yeah. To do blasphemy about the Eucharist is definitely yeah. something I'm looking forward to doing in the future <laughs> at some point. There, we could probably get those made pretty cheap. Uh, they can't you get Eucharist made. <laughs> hey, you know, it's just like joy uh, ice cream cones, I think. Well, no, no, then it's just an ice cream cone. You well, have no, to. I'm <laughs> saying we'll, we'll just contact Joy and see how, where, who their supplier is. But no, you need a priest to transubstantiate it into Christ's flesh. So, I mean, yeah, I don't think that's going to cut it, Mitch. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to use Glade plugins because the incense, there's no smoking in Howlers. So yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll Hawaiian breeze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this is tropical doom metal uh-huh. that we're dealing with. Uh, but yeah, the as far as... Uh, this the the sense of taste i have thrown candy out into an audience before in my old band that actually was really popular and i and i talked to someone <laughs> after the show who was actually really disappointed that they didn't get any candy i saw a band on halloween once that gave out treats and they gave out a can of schlitz a pack of pumpkin seeds and uh a little bag of candy corn i mean i think they made it we can do better than that <laughs> <laughs> That was at the Smiling Moose when they still had shows downstairs. Yeah, which but that was, was like, pretty exciting. Which was like thirty years ago, Mitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I remember on the Smiling Moose when they used to have the shows downstairs, and you didn't have to pay for them, and Scarfo had porno everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back in two thousand, dickety two. Yeah, it was probably back. No, because I was still in high school. It was probably 2006. <laughs> yeah, like 2006, seven. Yeah. Yeah, we're old enough to remember when the Smiling Moose was cool. <laughs> you could smoke in there. That You couldn't get food there. 
No, no, you could you could actually you could get a toaster oven pizza from behind the bar. Those are pretty good. Those are pretty good. Hell yeah. Shout outs to Party Pizza. <laughs> and shout outs to Ernst. We've hit our hour, so I'm thinking we could probably wrap. Is there uh, anything yeah. you want to tell the people about? We already dropped the, the online stuff, but one more time, hit them. Where can they find that record? Uh, you can buy it online at EarnsPGH. Wait, no, is it Earns? Yeah, EarnsPGH.com. That's, that's real. Uh, you can get the vinyl at Cruel Noise, Dave's Music Mine, or the Government Center. We have T-shirts uh also at cruel noise the design is uh one of the big titty sphinx statues from uh, the mausoleum in the allegheny allegheny cemetery with some upside down crosses some weed leaves so if you're into that we got those over at cruel noise and we've got a show coming up september 13th with whorehound truss and fuzznot our dude Emilio of Fuzznot, and that's going to be at 222 Ormsby. A blast from the past. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, I don't know what time that one is. I Check don't know. the Facebook. Seven or eight, eight o'clock. Facebook.com slash Boo Earns Pittsburgh as well. Hell yes. And. That's all, folks. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much for being here. And thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. One more time. Mike, Mitch, Earns. Cheers. Shoutouts to sparkling water. Of the sober variety. No white claws here today. I'll be back again next time. Maybe with a white claw. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2019. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening. And we are done. Cool. Nice. Hell yeah. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. <laughs>